0: So I'm back. <laughs> Last summer I was uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. Last summer I was given a sabbatical by the church council, and it was it was great for me personally. It was great for my my family, but apparently the penance around here for taking a sabbatical is the following summer they all leave you on the holiday weekend and they make you do your job, which is the music, and they have you give the sermon. So I am really looking forward to when Pastor West gets back from his sabbatical and he gives the sermon and he does the music. I've got it all planned out. We're going to keep the songs really low. We're going to call it Johnny Cash Sunday. Now, All joking aside, it's, it's a privilege to be here and to get to share God's word this morning. And my prayer this week is that it's been edifying for our church and that it will speak to each of you as well as we read through God's word. So let's begin Uh, True or false, every Christian has a responsibility to share their faith. Think about that. True? How many true? How many false? Anybody? Okay, good. Uh, In 2018, the Barna Group did a study asking over 1,700 Christians that question, and surprisingly, only 64% of them answered true, which means that 46% of them said, uh, no, that's false. Christians don't have a responsibility to share their faith. Or they uh, just were unsure and they didn't know. And I find that really surprising because like you guys, I I would think that would be 100% true for all Christians. I mean, the last words Jesus said to his followers before he ascended up into heaven was go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I mean, that is pretty clear that as a follower of Jesus, we have a responsibility to share our faith. Uh, In addition to that statistic, 47% of Christians said that sharing their faith is only effective if they have a relationship with the other person. And only 19% of Christians said that they are actively seeking to create faith-sharing opportunities with non-believers. And the study concluded by saying, the truth is, most Christians are busy with other things. The day-to-day of normal life, jobs, kids, budgets, sports, weather, and what's premiering on Netflix this week. None of this is bad, but the unfortunate reality is that most adults don't seem to connect their everyday experiences with their faith, or at least they aren't talking about it, if they do. Talking about God, it can be a challenge, whether it's with our friends and neighbors or it's with total strangers. But from what I see in the Bible... It's not an option. And we were commanded by Jesus to go share the good news of salvation. And why wouldn't we want to? We have the best news in the world. But too often we find it easier to to mind our own business or to keep quiet. Oftentimes I think we want to talk to people about God, but we don't know how or we think no one has taught us or we think, man, that's a, that's a job for pastors. But it's not. It's our job. So how can we effectively share the gospel with the people around us? Fortunately, God, in his word, lays out exactly how we can do this and be successful, whether we have a relationship with that person or whether they are a total stranger. So let's turn in our Bibles. We're going to be in Acts chapter three, and I encourage you to open your Bibles this morning. Uh, We are going to put the words on the screen, but we want to be in God's word. It's God's word that speaks to us. It's important to have our Bibles open when we're digging into it. So if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the chair in front of you. We're on page one, five, one, two. It's Acts chapter three. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. Oh, wait, I'm in chapter four. I apologize. That's the middle of the story. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. So this opening scene starts off. It's like a normal day for Peter and John. You know, in the last chapter, we're going through the books of Acts. In the last chapter, Acts 2, Peter preaches his sermon at Pentecost and 3000 people become a part of the church. It's probably the most effective greatest evangelistic sermon that's ever been given, uh, probably ever. Uh, but now they are back to the business of normal life. It, they're going to head to the temple at 3 p.m. because if you were a Jew, 3 p.m. was the time of prayer. On their way, they come across a lame man who is begging for money. Now, this guy, he's not he's not a moron, right? He's in a place where he has a good chance of getting some money. There's a lot of foot traffic. There's a lot of people in round. Peter and John could keep going on their way right? But they see an opportunity. They see an opportunity that God has placed before him and they act. Oftentimes in our lives, we have opportunities to act and to fill a need or we have the choice to ignore the situation and just mind our business and keep going. But Peter and John seize the moment and the result is the people are amazed. A crowd arrives and then that brings another opportunity. Verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. So people are now they're running to the place where Peter and John have done this miracle. A large crowd has gathered and Peter immediately starts talking about jesus he had the option of claiming all the glory for himself but he gives all glory to god so when god uses you to bless somebody do you claim the credit for yourself or do you point people to christ he pointed people to christ and then he told them the harsh truth they murdered the son of god now when you tell people about god do you start with the truth Too many times we want to tell people how much God loves them, how following God will bring them peace, how it will help them be a nicer, better person. But that is not what Peter did. Right. He called them murderers and then he told them to repent. And when was the last time you started off a gospel sharing session with that? Until people realize the offensiveness of their sin against a holy God. They will never acknowledge their need for a savior. We're not telling people about Jesus to help them be better, nicer people. That's a side effect. We're telling them about Christ because they're going to spend eternity separated from God in a pit of burning fire if they don't repent of their sins. It's a common theme for Peter. He did it in Acts chapter two. He does it in Acts chapter three. People are cut to the heart because they realize the gravity of their sin against a holy and righteous God. When God uses you, you point people to God You tell them the truth. And Peter's message worked. It worked again. 2,000 more men became believers. So in chapter 2, we have 3,000 men become believers after his first sermon. Now he's preached his You're a Murderer sermon. And 2,000 more men become believers. So the number of believing men is now at 5,000. That's some quick success. They went from a couple guys up in a room praying and waiting on God in Acts chapter one to in two chapters. They have probably over 10,000 believers once you add in women and children. But with success, oftentimes comes opposition. Chapter four. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them. And they begin to question them: by what power or what name did you do this? Now, this is important because Annas and Caiaphas are the ones who turned Jesus over to Pilate and got him crucified. It happened seven chapters ago in John 18. Uh, Pastor Doug shared last week that it was probably 50 to 60 days ago. Uh, Both of these guys have been the high priest. Caiaphas was the high priest when Jesus was crucified. They obviously had an election and now Annas is the high priest with their family members. It's the same exact group of religious leaders. It's the same people who turned Jesus over to be crucified and asked that Barabbas, a known murderer, be released. It's exactly the same people. So up to this point, Peter and John, they have seized the opportunity to bless someone. And God gave them an opportunity to preach. To all the Jews in the temple, which was a lot because it resulted in 2,000 more men becoming believers. As a result, they're thrown into prison and they're taken now before the very people who crucify Jesus. So guess what they see this as? It's another opportunity that God has given them to share the gospel. And they seize this one as well. Verse eight. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you build as rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind By which we must be saved. One act of healing a lame man has now led them to the people who murdered Jesus. God opened the door and they walked through it. God opened the door. They walked through it and on and on and on. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's crystal clear. When I read this part, I find it extremely inspiring because do you remember where Peter was back in John 18, 50 days ago when the religious leaders were trying to murder Jesus? He was out in the crowd pretending he didn't know him, right? He denied him three times. And now, 50 days later, God's given him the opportunity to preach to the men who killed Jesus. So it's a complete 180 for Peter. He knows these guys killed Jesus. He knows they might kill him too. But he doesn't care. He's not denying Jesus anymore. He is speaking boldly. Verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together What are we going to do with these men? Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign. We cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. I love, I love verse 13. The religious leaders are astonished by what Peter is saying because they are unschooled, ordinary men. Jesus did not entrust the building of his church to men with seminary degrees. He left it to fishermen and tax collectors and ex-prostitutes. Unschooled, ordinary men built the church. Do not ever think that sharing the gospel is the job of your pastor or someone on a church staff. The main ideas of the Bible can be effectively communicated and shared by every single believer. It's fine if you want to be a scholar, but that's not how God chose to share the good news of salvation with the world. It was, and it still is, through ordinary, unschooled people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, so I found out this statistic this year. Did you know that 5%, 5% of pastors worldwide, only 5% have received ministry training? Which means that 95% of pastors worldwide do not have seminary degrees. And almost all of the 5% that have them are here in North America. They're almost all in the U.S. and Canada. The church is flourishing all over the world. It's growing all over the world, and it's led by people who have not received specialized education. They read their Bibles, they seize opportunities to act, and they speak boldly because the Holy Spirit enables them to do it. You can share the gospel. I can share the gospel because we have the same Holy Spirit living inside of us right now verse 18 then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of jesus but peter and john replied which is right in god's eyes so listen to you or to him you be the judge as for us we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard and after further threats they let them go they could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. And on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders. The name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So Peter and John are released. They go back to the church. The church immediately prays and they realize that everything that happened, it was a part of God's plan. God is sovereign. His kingdom will prevail. And so they pray for boldness in preaching the gospel. God honors their prayer and fills them with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was crucified because God allowed it and foretold it. Nothing is going to stop them unless God allows it. They don't have to fear opposition. They don't have to fear death. They understand the mission which is to bring as many people as possible into the kingdom of God while they are still breathing air on this earth and when they're no longer breathing air, then they will be with God. They want to fear no one, so they pray for boldness and God gives it to them. If you pray for opportunities to share the gospel, if you pray for boldness, God will give it to you. It might be hard. You might face some opposition. But Jesus said, in the book of Hebrews that he came to deliver us from the fear of death. What can man do to you? We don't have to fear anyone. God is sovereign. He is working through all things, good and bad, to advance his kingdom. Do you want to be used by God? Because that's the way he accomplishes his will on this earth, through believers who want to be used by him. You pray for opportunities, you pray for boldness, God will give them both to you. So how can we effectively share the gospel with the people around us, whether they are our neighbors or they are complete strangers? By seizing opportunities to act and speaking boldly in our conversations. You know, the truth is, you're probably not going to heal a homeless lame man on your way to work tomorrow. I, I hope you do. I absolutely believe it's possible. But it's probably not going to happen. There are, however, multiple opportunities for you to bless someone in the name of Jesus. Are your eyes open? Are you looking for ways to help others so then you can point them to Christ? Because when what you do affects them, what you say will matter to them. Peter and John seized the opportunity to act. They did something for someone and then God opened door after door after door To share the gospel. So I want to challenge you this week. Find a way to bless your neighbor. Be like the 19% of Christians who are actively looking for ways to share about their faith. Maybe you mow your neighbor's lawn when they're on vacation. Uh, Maybe it's helping someone fix their car. Maybe it's taking their kids to practice or offering to babysit. Maybe it's taking someone a meal. Maybe Maybe it's just asking somebody if you can pray for them. Are your spiritual eyes open? Are you looking for opportunities? Because if you are, God will give you opportunities to share the good news of the gospel with people. The believers prayed for boldness in their speaking. God gave it to them. He will do the same thing for you and me because the same Holy Spirit that empowered them is living inside of us right now. You want to be used by God or you content keeping to yourself and doing nothing? Are you like the 46% of people who don't think that sharing about their faith is their responsibility? God grows his church through unschooled, ordinary people who want to further his kingdom and want to be used by him. So what is the gospel? What are you sharing? You have to know it if, if you're going to share it, right? The Bible tells us to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us. This is the gospel. There is a God, a holy and righteous God who created the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. He created you and me, but he is holy and we are not. We are sinners, all of us. We lie, we cheat, we steal, we commit adultery, we take God's name in vain and because of our sin, we deserve punishment. We deserve to spend eternity apart from God. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. God sent his son Jesus Christ into our world fully God fully man. He lived a perfect blameless life and then he was falsely accused and murdered and when he was crucified God placed the sins of all of us. Every person who has ever lived every person who ever will live on him Jesus took the wrath of God He took the punishment for our sins and then he died and he was buried. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead, proving that he was the son of God and appearing to over 500 people. And then he returned to heaven where he is seated at the right hand of his father. And one day he's going to come back. He's going to return to judge the earth and to destroy evil and to make all things new. And anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, who repents of their sin, will spend eternity with him. And for the rest of our time here on earth, he will send us the Holy Spirit who will live inside of us, giving us the power to defeat sin and to live for our creator. We are forgiven. He has taken away our fear of death, our fear of punishment before a holy God. And now we are God's children. We are adopted into his family and he will use us to accomplish his will and his purposes in this world. It's what you were created for. And you can be a part of God's family And you can be his child. That's the gospel. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Seize the opportunities that God gives you to act. And speak boldly about the hope that is within you. Let's pray. Lord, we pray as those first believers did. We pray for boldness. Open our eyes to the opportunities around us. Give us the courage to act and the power to speak boldly about you. We know that you accomplish your will in this world by using your people. We know that we are sinners. We know that we are imperfect, but we also know that you have placed your Holy Spirit inside of us to guide us and to empower us to do your will. Teach us to listen, to be sensitive to your spirit, that we may have the honor of sharing about our faith and be used to further your kingdom. Amen.